Hey, Only Believe, this is Pastor Nicole, and I want to take time to invite you to a very special time of reflection on Good Friday, April 7th. It's going to be running from 4 to 8, and you already know that if you were here last year, it's amazing, and you've got to come back for another chance. We've changed some of the stations around, and we're putting a little different spin on it, but it's for you and the whole family. So be sure and bring them. You can come at any time from 4 to 8 and walk through at your pace. It's something to enjoy for the entire family, and there's one station that might be a little too much for younger kids, and we've got something especially for them too. Please come on out and enjoy this time. I know you're going to love it. Hey, I want to remind you about Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday, we have two services, 7 o'clock, that's a miracle, and a communion service. And I'll tell you, I'm expecting God to see miracles that Sunday. I want you to bring the sick, those that are hopeless, those that are helpless, and let's see what God will do in a time that we're celebrating the resurrection of Christ. That is on Easter at 7 o'clock. And then we have Panera Bread that's going to be serving a continental breakfast uh, for us in between services. Then at 10 o'clock, we're going to have a great celebration of Jesus' resurrection. So please come out and be a part of it. I'm looking forward to being with you and celebrating our Savior's victorious resurrection. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Wednesday night Only Believe crew. Amen. These are the people that are serious. I'm just kidding. That's not true. <laughs> but it is those who had enough time to come out on Wednesday night. And we thank you for coming and joining your service or coming and joining the service tonight. And uh, if you're a first-time guest or this is your first time and you've come with somebody, um, there's a visitor's card on the back of the seat in front of you. You can grab that. You can fill it out. Or you can just click the little QR code. That'll take you to an online card. You can fill that out for us. But we're really glad that you're here. And whatever platform you're viewing tonight, whether you're out of town or you're at home and just not able to come tonight, maybe you're a visitor for the first time, let us know that you're here live. We'd love to see you and give you some more information about the church, and we're glad that you're with the church family tonight. Um, I want to take time to remind you about prayer this Saturday at 8 o'clock. If you were a part of the 21 days of prayer, you already know how impactful that was. And if you weren't with us on 21 days, it's never too late to start praying and communing with our Father. So we ask you to come on out. It's right here in the main sanctuary. There's going to be a full live band with us on Saturday just to help usher in the presence of the Lord. And we would love to have you with us as we pray. And then also, um, we want to invite those of you that would like to be a member of the church. If you've been sitting in services for a while just to see what we're about, I would like to meet with you Sunday right after church. We're going to have a next steps class. And what does that mean? It just what is the next step for me to be involved in the church? I love what God is doing here. I want to be a part of it, but I don't understand what that fully means. I will be sharing with you your next steps. I'm looking out across the crowd already, and I see some next steppers from last month that are already here. They're already plugged into a dream team. They're serving in their local church already, and they're meeting new people in small groups as we wait. So, um, and if you're here also uh, for a small group tonight, welcome. 
we're glad we're starting to break open these groups. I know that we're halfway in, over halfway in, and some of these groups are just starting to pour open with, with places of freedom in their hearts and their minds. So if you would, stand to your feet. We want to get through our worship. I know Pastor Randy's got a great message for you tonight, and I only know that because I've been seeing him put in the time that it takes to get this message and pulling his hair out, but he's got a good one for us tonight, so we're going to share that with you. So just lift your hands up to heaven. And just say, Lord, here am I. Here am I, God. I give you myself. I give you my thoughts. I give you my actions tonight. Father, I've come to meet with you. Meet me where I am, Lord. In Jesus' name. And I believe he's going to do just that.
Like a rose. 
We good now? Awesome. My wife says I don't need one, so. <laughs> tithing and offering. You know, tithing is a, is a real blessing if people get a hold of it. A lot of people say, uh, I've had them tell me over the years, you know, all the church want, every time I go, is all they want money. And, you know, I always tell them, I said, no, you got it all wrong. What they're wanting to do is to get something in you and to you. Because tithing is you're giving God 10%, but you know what he's going to give you from that? Huh? Eternal life. And the sweet assurance that wherever you go in life, God's always there. Can you say amen? You know how I know that? The Bible says that goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So we have two guys with us all the time. You're never alone. Goodness and mercy. Just come on over here. If you need a blessing, hey, guy, come on. Catch up here a little bit. Amen? How many of you believe that? Amen. You got to start speaking it, not just saying it. Can you say amen? You got to believe it out of here. You know, a lot of people speak from up here, you know, what, what they know and what they know and what they know. But when you start speaking out of here, out of your spirit man, your spirit man knows. Can you say amen? And not only that, we have angels that travel with us. Did you know that? They encamp around about us. Amen. Trying to figure us out, really. <laughs> Especially Randy. <laughs> I want to read some scripture found in Hebrews. I want to talk a little bit about the giving end. Not so much the tithe tonight, but uh, the tithing is always the important thing in life. If you're going to be a Christian, learn to tithe. If you've never tried tithing, my goodness, you're missing out on one of the best blessings that you'll ever encounter is when you learn to tithe and do it with the right motive. Can you say amen? Not to get. Amen. Just to bless God and keep and see that he is not faithful. Can you say amen? In Hebrews chapter 6, I'll start with verse 9. It says, But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation through we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have shown towards his name, in that ye ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. This scripture tells me here that God's not unfaithful. So if you give, God will always return. Amen? Just like the seed, you sow a seed, you expect to harvest, correct? Well, when you sow a seed into the kingdom of God, amen, glory to God, start speaking the word on it, you know, amen, and, and expect the increase. Some 30, 60, and 100 fold. Well, I read a scripture in the Old Testament where it says God made them a thousand times more. I want the thousand times return. Woo! Why? So we can give, amen, and given to the saints, given to those uh, that are in need, can you say amen? Proverbs uh, uh, chapter 19 and verse 17, it says that uh, 
those that consider the poor, God never forgets what they did. He keeps track of that. Can you say amen? You ever wonder what was in the book of life? A lot of people say, well, you got your name in there, but I believe there's a whole lot of other pages that's being filled up with it. Can you say amen? Amen? Well, we're going to be judged by our what? Think about that. There's a bunch of books up there. Amen? God keeps a good record. Praise God. Let's go over to, uh, in closing, I got 14, uh, 13 seconds. Glory to his name. God is good in him. <laughs> Verse 13 of uh, 5 Galatians. For the brethren you have been called unto the liberty, not only to use your liberty for occasion for your flesh, but by love to serve one another. Can you say amen? And giving is about serving one another. It's not just about getting it into the church. We need God doesn't need your money, but the church needs your money simply because we're going to reach out and feed the poor, clothe the hungry. Can you say amen? Is that right? Let us pray. Father God, we just thank you today, God, that you're always faithful to your word. You're faithful to your saints. And God, Father, any time that we give, God, Father, you said you'd always keep an account of that and give us a just reward. And, Father, we just thank you for that. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord God, that you're always for us and never against us, God. Father, you've made us the head and not the tail. And we are above only and not beneath, God. And, Father, everything that we put into the kingdom of God will always give us the assurance, God, that we have all efficiency in you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Happy birthday, Don. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes, amen. Nah. Pastor Phyllis wants to sing happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Hey. Yes, and many more. It was Brother David's birthday yesterday. Happy birthday. No, just joking. That's good. I love it. Amen. Hallelujah. Are y'all happy tonight? Yeah. I'm happy because it's a day closer to spring. Yes. Ah, hallelujah. Uh, even though we had not had a bad winter, I'm done with winter. I think every year my skin gets just a little bit uh, thinner, and I don't want winter. I don't, I don't know. So, Hallelujah. 
Well, okay, uh, tonight I just want to, man, I'll tell you, this was rough because actually years ago, let me start out by saying, years ago I was driving down the road and God put a guy's face in front of me and he said, I want you to go tell him to sanctify himself. I was like, okay, sure. Well, I personally have heard the word growing up my whole life, but I mean, I'm like, okay, I, I really didn't know personally what that meant, you know, in depth. So I found him and actually I found his wife. I, I didn't get a hold of him. I don't know where he was. And I, I said, hey, you know what? God told me to tell your husband to sanctify himself. And she was like, what does that mean? And I was spiritual. I said, tell him to go look it up. <laughs> hey, yeah, you know, it's all right. So I hope he did that. I don't know if he did or not, but I did what God told me to do. And that was it. Well, I'm driving down the road two weeks ago. I'm coming down I-75 and the Lord said, teach on sanctification. And I'm like, ooh, okay, the doctrine of sanctification. Doesn't that sound old? It don't. To me, that sounds old and crusty and rusty. I mean, the doctrine of sanctification. I mean, it just sounds old and dusty. It, it sounds like something you'd find in an antique store. Or in an old barn that somebody's forgot about. The doctrine of sanctification. Sounds like something Tim Bagwell would say. You know, I mean, it's just... It's great. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it sounds like another word that the church really just doesn't need anymore. You know, uh, you know, along with a few other, you know, old, crusty, outdated, unpopular, Ill, irrelevant, unculturalistic... Words such as abstinence, morality, holiness, sanctification. Eh, them things are just, eh, just a bad old word. You know, it's just it's kind of how I saw it. I mean, it's just another racist word that needs to be thrown away with a bunch of the other words that we just said. You know, it's just outdated and stuff like that. So... I was like, well, okay, I guess I'll definitely have to go into the Old Testament for sanctification because the Old Testament talks about sanctification. And the word is, again, old. We don't need these kind of words, God, but okay, I'll bring it out and see if anybody's still left there when I'm done with it. You know, So that's what I'm talking about tonight, the doctrine of sanctification. Y'all with me still? Okay, all right, so we're going to keep going on here. <laughs> but here's the deal, guys. You're going to find out that not only was it used in the Old Testament, but it is also used in the New Testament or in the New Covenant as well. So it wasn't just used then, but it's also used today. And, of course, um, I think it... Uh, it's just as relevant, if not more relevant today, than it was in the Old Covenant. Now, we got to realize, what does the Old Testament do? The Old Testament helps us understand the New Testament. And the New Testament helps us expound the Old Testament. Or it, uh, it helps us understand the Old Testament. And so we're going to go through the New Testament and the Old Testament in about an hour and 90 minutes tonight talking about the doctrine of sanctification. So uh, anyhow, we're trying to get through it a little faster than that. It's more than just a one-night 
deal. I'll tell you that right now. I had to condense and condense and condense to get what I wanted to talk to you about today. And I think I'm doing okay right now. Good. This will be great. So nine o'clock will come very quickly. All right. Uh, we're going to start out here. Let's see. Where do I want to start? Uh, we're going to start out probably in Daniel here. But in the Old Testament, the word sanctification simply meant to be set apart. That's what it meant, to be set apart. Exodus 13.1, God said to Moses, consecrate, which means to sanctify, uh, to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast, it is mine. So God set the children of Israel apart for himself. Right there in the Old Testament. God set the children of Israel apart for his special possession. All right, in Exodus 19, 5 and 6, it says, Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Again, God is setting apart, sanctifying the children of Israel, a special people, all to himself. He wanted it all for himself, them. Deuteronomy 7, 6, it says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. Wow, that's pretty good. So he set a special people aside, sanctified them for himself. Everything that was used for God in the old covenant, like the golden vessels, any instrument that he used, uh, for sacrifices um, of the old, the, the tabernacle, uh, all was sanctified and never used for anything but for the purpose of God. Wasn't used for anything else. They were set apart, they were made holy, and they were kept strictly to be vessels of the sanctuary of the Lord. They were not to be used for common purposes any longer. No, only for that. You know, you have the good china. It's only used for this occasion. You have the good room. Don't you dare step in that good room. It's only for special people. You had those growing up? I remember those rooms growing up. That's right. Was it for common folk? It was for something special. Now, does anybody know which king in the Old Testament uh, had lots of... Um, uh, let's see, allergy issues. King in the Old Testament who had lots of allergy issues. Now remember, I'm a kid's pastor as well. Yes, it's King Nebuchadnezzar. Yes. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, everybody kind of knows uh, what happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. It's his real name. I remember he was prideful. He was arrogant. He stood out one day, looked at his kingdom and said, look what I have done. Wow, I've done this all with my hands. And we know what happened. God smote him right then and there, man. I mean, boom. And uh, I do believe he, uh, he took him out for seven years, I think, into the pastures. He had to eat the grass, um, just like the animals. But he came back. God, man, had great mercy on this dude. He came back. He repented. And he started serving the Lord. Now, you would think that anybody that was around him for seven years 
And then him coming back and him, I mean, repenting. I mean, I guarantee that dude had a lot to say to all of his mates and all to his servants and to his kids and to his wives and everything. You would have thought, man, I tell you, this is what we are going to do. We are going to humble ourselves. God is the true God, the one living. I imagine it was incredible. But in Daniel chapter 5, 1 through 6, it says this. But his son Belshazzar had a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in the presence of the thousand. Now his mistake, of course, was that he commanded his servants to bring out the gold vessels that he had been taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem. And the king and his lords, his wives and concubines, drank from them. Uh-oh. Yikes. These were holy things set aside. And because of this, here is what happened in Daniel 5.5. 5. In the same hour, the finger of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Now to save time, we're not going to read on down, but man, he freaked out. And he tried to bring everybody that he could. What in the world is, does this say? Well, remember, those things were set apart for God. They were not to be used for common purposes at any time. And what did he do? He got it out. He used things that he wasn't supposed to being used. And then Daniel 5.30, that very night, Belshazzar, king of the, the, I forget how you say that, the Chaldeans or whatever, was slain. Boom. Gone. Toasted. No more. So let me tell you guys tonight, if you have given your life to Jesus, you are no longer common people. You're not common. Say, I'm not common. You're not common. No, you have been set apart for the purpose of God. You've been sanctified, right? Right? Absolutely. You have been sanctified. Turn your Bibles to Acts, the 26th chapter, the Old Covenant. God set things apart. But now I'm going to show you that you have also been set apart. Acts 26, find it here, verse 18. So it's no different for us here in the New Covenant. Look what happened to Paul and what Jesus said to him during his conversion. Acts 26, 18. Uh, let, me, uh, let me start in 17. This is Jesus talking to Paul. He says, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I know sent you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who, what does it say? Are sanctified by faith in me. Huh. So it's something that they don't have to do. They are sanctified. When you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are automatically sanctified. Paul's also talking to the church in Corinth, and he says in 1 Corinthians 1, 
and two to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who are in every place, call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. And then another verse here in 1 Corinthians 6 and 9. It says here, and I think I'm going to go down to 11 on this. Do you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkens, uh, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed. Hmm. Come on, you know this song. In the blood of the Lamb. Come on now. Come on, bud. This is right up your alley. In the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed? Come on now. Come on. In the precious blood of the Lamb. Oh, yeah. Are they white? Come on. Are you washed? In the blood of the Lamb. Woo! Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Man, we could sing that all night. You guys are so exciting. My Lord, come on now. Should have been up in the air. Jeez, gee, especially you, Dave. Good Lord. Man, come on, that's exciting. Come on, you washed in the blood. See, we sing that. And we're happy, and it's like, woo, man, I've been washed in the blood. But you could also say it like this. I've been justified in the blood of the Lamb. I've been sanctified in the blood of the Lamb. It's what he says right here. He said, have you been washed, but you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You were sanctified. Wow, we were set apart. When? At conversion. When we asked Jesus Christ to come into our lives, we were set apart for him. Hmm. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If we'd done this at 4 o'clock, maybe you'd have been a little happier. I don't know. Jeez. You hungry or something? Come on, folks. Get excited here. Jeez, man, the kids would have been up running around the sanctuary if that had brought them in here. I've been washed. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jeez. I know in the small groups, every time I teach, they're like, we heard you out there. It must have been Pastor Randy preaching. Yeah, it was me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, brother. All right. So what this is called, this is what they call the positional sanctification. Positional sanctification. We were made holy and set apart for God's use at our conversion. We are sanctified not because of our holiness or our character, mm -mm. but we are sanctified in position. You understand where I'm going from? All right, some of you understand. Another good example of this would be Eli's sons. Everybody know the story of Eli, right? In 1 Samuel 2, 12, it said the sons of Eli were corrupt. And you know, if you keep on reading that, they compare the sons of Eli to Satan himself. 
Wow, those were some bad, nasty dudes. They did some very awful things. But when I read down, I'm like, okay, these guys were terrible. Terrible guys. Horrible things. Having sex with the women coming in and doing wrong things with the sacrifices, just grabbing what they wanted. I mean, it was wrong beyond wrong, all right? But these guys were priests at Shiloh in the tabernacle. That's crazy. That's right where the Ark of Covenant was. These guys were priests doing these things, these horrible things. How in the world were they priests? They committed the sin and the iniquity before God, and yet they were set apart for God's service. How in the world were these guys set apart for God's service? They offered the sacrifice as priests only because they had been washed with water and sprinkled with blood. That's how they were able to do what they were done. They were sanctified by position only, not for their character or their holiness. You see where I'm going from? Positional sanctification. Nothing to do with their character, but who they were because they were covered in the blood. You are sanctified because you're covered in the blood. You're set apart because you're covered in the blood. Without the blood, we're dead. Right? We're nothing. Okay. You guys understand where I'm coming from? Okay. Very good. Hallelujah. Only because of this. Now, there's another term called progressive sanctification. All right? And that is where we are being sanctified on a daily basis. Positional sanctification, set apart at our conversion. But then progressive sanctification, we are being sanctified on a daily basis. All right, remember, positional sanctification, set apart. We were sanctified, washed, justified when we got saved. We're no longer our own, but we were bought with a price. We are God's now. And this type of sanctification is really where I wanted to get to and what I want to stay on for the rest of our time because this type of sanctification is where you and I will be until we are either dead or Jesus comes and gets us. Hallelujah. Yes, that's right. This is where you will live with your Christian walk all the days of your life. Progressive sanctification increases as you and I, who are born again, devotes our lives to being obedient to God. That's exactly what this means. And really, whose job is it to help us with this? For a candy bar. I don't have it with me, sorry. <laughs> the Holy Spirit. Yes, absolutely. It's the Holy Spirit's job who lives on the inside of us. And I'll prove that to you, all right? First Thessalonians, let me go there, 5.23. Hope I can find it, all right. 5.23 and then 24, it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Who's doing it? God is sanctifying us completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
He who calls you his faithful, who also will do it. Whoa. So God himself is going to help sanctify us. He himself will do it. That's beautiful. Where do you think conviction comes from? When we go down the wrong path or say something wrong or do something that isn't right or whatever, what do you think that is? That's the Holy Spirit trying to sanctify us and keep us clean, pure, and holy. It's exactly what that means. And we definitely need his help because we are always on a collision course with the world and boy is it bad and only getting worse. We also on a collision course with Satan and his schemes and we're always fighting our flesh, ourselves. Isn't that fun? It's beautiful, absolutely. Oh, So now if you're going to write something down, this is what you need to write down and if you're not writing anything down, Write this down. Our outward behavior should match our inward righteousness. Our outward behavior should match our inward righteousness. We are righteous. Why? Because of conversion. We're set apart. Now we are progressively being sanctified on a daily basis, and it should match what happened to us on the inside. Hallelujah. First Thessalonians 4.8 says, Anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God himself. The very God who gives you his Holy Spirit, your helper and my helper. Hmm. Man, pastor, it's quiet up here tonight. Jeez. And he's not even around. Romans Romans, turn to Romans, the sixth chapter. And we're going to go with 19 and I'll probably go down to 23. Okay, it says here, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, uh, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness. Remember, we're not our own. We're set apart for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. In other words, I didn't care. I'm my own. I'll do what I want, say what I want, and be where I want. Mm -hmm. You hear it today, don't you? I don't follow nobody's instruction. I do what I want and say what I want and blankety blank to you. You don't like it? Take me off Facebook. Whatever. You hear it all the time. You don't like what I say? Just erase me, delete me. Block me, I don't care. Hear it all the time. This is how we were when we were sinners, right? We were free in regards to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? Oh boy, that was a good statement. That's a slap back at you, huh? Hallelujah. For the end of those things is what? Death. They're death. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness, and the end there is everlasting life. Hallelujah. We were slaves to sin, but now we're not. We're free. Isn't that beautiful? That's absolutely beautiful. Also, it says in, uh, let's see here. Well, no, let me say this first. Okay, so this is, this is where this is coming from, and I think you'll even get this even further. 
Eli's sons were positionally sanctified. We said that because of the blood, because of the washing with the water. But in 1 Samuel 3.13, God said, I told Eli that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows. He knew what they were doing. Knew what they were doing. Because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. So man, God told Eli, bro, you had so many chances to get this right. You had so many chances to get your kids out of there, beat them with a pole, do something with them. You did nothing. You just said to them, well, guys, you know this is not right, you know? You ought to stop. Mm-hmm, nah. Nah, he didn't do what was right. And his sons were killed, and their house was judged forever. What? F forever? They were sanctified in position but their character did not match. And God finally had had enough and his grace ended on those suckers. Mm -hmm. But he did not judge Eli and just Eli and his sons. He judged the future offspring because of their actions. Whoa. Well, that ain't fair, Pastor Randy. I wasn't even there. Don't take it up with me. Take it up with the one who says that the earth is his footstool. <laughs> and I am I right, Stephen? That's right. What? He judged all of the family all the way to the end? It says forever. God, I hope I wasn't part of that family. Holy cow, I think I'd have known it by now. I think I'd have probably been dead too. I hope you guys aren't either. Woo! That's crazy stuff. Our actions could affect our kids' future. And they do. And they do. So I'm going to try to explain progressive sanctification, how I learn things. And, and I, I see pictures. And if you guys don't know that by now, that's why all the videos, that's why all the pictures, I, I see things. I, I don't put the bike together by a, by a book. I put it together by the box. <laughs> it's the truth, man. A picture guy. I got to see it. I got to do it. I got an object lesson. I got I to gotta see things to understand things at times. So it's probably just my ADHD, I guess, in me. I, I don't know. So, but anyhow, so, and, and it was so cool because, again, I was driving, and the Lord showed me this. It was just, just a blink of an eye, and I was like, oh, yes. Thank you, Lord. That's so good. You're so good. This is great. Andrew and I, when we were in Aruba here this last year, um, we walk beaches, uh, we go to beaches, and we walk beaches, we go to coves, and we pick up things, we look at the ocean, we look at rocks, we talk, because all the girls want to do is stay at the pool at the resort and just turn red. I don't know why they want to do that, but they don't like going anywhere. But me and Andrew love to explore, we have a blast. Well, one day we were exploring a beach somewhere in a cove, and he reached down and he picked up this really cool piece of something it was shiny it was smooth and it was really pretty and I said Andrew dude what is that and he said it's sea glass I said sea glass he said yeah sea glass well I had never heard of that before and I've been to the ocean well not all my life but since I met them you know Nikki's parents I always started to go to the ocean and and I've never seen sea glass in in Florida I 
you know, I don't know. Um, and then, of course, married in eight years. We went to Marco Island every year before we had kids. And I'd never seen sea glass. Well, this was sea glass. And I said, wow, that's cool. And, and I, I didn't want to sound stupid that I didn't know because, you know, when you're around Andrew, you know how smart and intelligent he is. You, you try to want to seem kind of intelligent and, and smart as well. And, and so I was like, oh, yeah, sea glass, you know. But the only reason he's smarter is because when God was handing out that intelligence, I was holding the door open for him and letting him go first. Dumb mistake. Dumb mistake. But anyhow, so <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, sea glass. That's cool. Great, great. Didn't really know what it was. And he told me. What happened, you know, sea glass is just regular glass that like has been put in the ocean from, you know, wrecks and, you know, ships going down and, and whatever, you know. So it's just regular glass that turned itself into sea glass. Um, I have a picture, I think, of it here. Sea glass, and some also call it drift glass is what they call it, is naturally weathered pieces of glass which appears like a stone that has been put in a rock tumbler. If any of you guys have ever had a rock tumbler and you put some chemicals in it and different things, and then that rock, after a long time, sometimes a week, two weeks, however long you put it in there, it turns shiny and it looks different. It's beautiful, actually. Well, that's what this sea glass or drift glass really is. And I looked it up. Sea glass can take 20 to 40 years or sometimes 100 to 200 years to acquire its characteristics, its textures, and even its shape. That's a long time. It's worth some money, too. How do you know? Do you have some sea glass at home? Oh, shoot. Oh, huh? It is? Well, can you start buying some of that for inheritance, you know, when you die and they'll have it? In... Oh, they sell it. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you ought to start buying some sea glass. 1999. Yeah, exactly. That's right. So here's the deal. The glass didn't have to do anything to become glass. It was created. Right? Yep. Salvation was all it took for us to be set apart as well and to be justified and sanctified and washed. Right? Absolutely. That's all it took. Nothing special. Nothing else. But the rough, broken glass became a beautiful, smooth piece of brightly colored glass because of the environment that it was put in. Amen? As a born-again Christian, you will be shaped by the environment that you put yourself in. Oh, man, that's what I needed, that organ. Woo, man, that was shouting words right there. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Jeez, my gosh. Go back to the song. Okay. So are you going to allow God to continue to progressively sanctify you to perfection? Yeah. Well, I would hope so. It's exactly what he wants to do. Ephesians 5, 26 and 27 says, To make you holy, cleansing you by the washing with water through the word and to present yourself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or blemish, but holy and blameless. God wants you to look like sea glass. 
That's what he wants, right? Yeah, and you're definitely valuable. You're priceless. Bible calls us priceless. It's exactly what he wants. First Peter 1.16 says, well, you ought to be holy because I'm holy. It's what he wants for our lives. Seeking him first and his righteousness, living by faith and obedience, letting the attributes of Jesus shine out of you through the fruit of the Spirit is like being shaped to perfection in that ocean water. Right? It absolutely is. It absolutely does. We have been sanctified and our behavior must follow it. And that's the key. Our outward behavior must match our inward righteousness, like I said earlier. As that glass stays in the salt water, the jagged edges begin to disappear. As you and I mature in our Christian walk, there are things that you shouldn't have to be dealing with as you mature that you dealt with in the beginning of you being set apart. Progressive sanctification. Them rocks, man, after 20 years, look at the difference. After 40 years, look at the difference. After 100 years, look at the difference. You don't even recognize what it looked like in the beginning. Thank you for that one clap. (laughs) Do people recognize you from your beginning of being set apart to now? Man, that was a hurtful question, wasn't it? Okay. Man, alive. Okay. As you mature in your Christian walk, there are things that you shouldn't have to be dealing with like you did when you were a baby Christian. Quick story, since I have a little bit of time. I got more than 30 seconds or 15 seconds. About three years ago, four years ago, is Jesh in here or did he go to small groups? Jesh is okay. And Lee Kinnear, he's not here. He usually comes on Sunday. I was, uh, I was putting a flu liner in a chimney at a rental property. And I had rented a big bucket truck that attaches onto my truck. And uh, these things have these outriggers that have to come down. Uh, it was kind of rainy, mushy. It was kind of in the wintertime. And I put the outriggers down. And I got up and I turned over to the chimney, and right when I got to the chimney, the, the machine stopped. There's lots of safety switches on these, out, on these dumb machines. Well, the two outriggers were in the yard, and they sunk a little bit, so therefore now it wasn't completely even, and it stopped working. I'm up in the air. What am I going to do? I pushed a button. Oh, it comes down. Well, I didn't want to take it all the way back around this way and put it down. I was already halfway, so I just brought the front up to the front of my truck and came down and jumped out of it into my truck, got down and tried to fix whatever it was. I couldn't get the thing to do anything. I was there for an hour. I called Rental Mart. What is going on? What do we? Well, you have to trick all the safety mechanisms. There's like 10 of them. <laughs> oh, what am I going to do? Put a stick under this one, and I did this one, and it was ridiculous. It was crazy. Now, Jesh apparently was going up to Sam's Club for the church, and, and uh, I, I called, and, hey, can you come by and help me? Man, I am in a big trouble here. I can't get this thing to move. I can't do it. He comes over. Eh, he couldn't help me. We, we, we tried. He couldn't help me, so he had to move on. So Lee Kinnear apparently was in the neighborhood, so I called him. I said, hey, can you come over and, and help me out? But in the meantime... 
I thought, well, okay, I'm going to have to disconnect this thing from the truck. Okay? So I went over and I popped the thing and nothing happened. I'm like, what is going on? Now I'm in this thing for two hours. I should have been done by now. All right? Plus the lady, the furnace is off. She's going to get cold and going to be harassing me. You know, I got to do something. So I'm trying to beat on this thing. I am agitated. I, my maturity in Christ now is diminishing. The, the shards are starting to come back out through my body that had been diminished in the salt water. And I'm getting very aggravated. And I said, ah, I got to get a hammer. I went and got a hammer. And I'm beating on this thing, on the, on the thing. I'm, why is this not coming off my truck? I did one more bang and it came up at me like 100 miles an hour because all the weight had been shifted to the back when the arm, usually the weight's up in the front, but I went the opposite way. So now 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 pounds is at the back, which means when I hit that, that boom came up and I went like this and it took and ripped my pants wide open from here to here. I had a gash from here all the way up and it just missed my face and my head. And I said, I am done with this. And I said it out loud. I said the S-H-I-T word out loud in public. Now, I haven't said a cuss word since then. Four years, only four years have I ever cussed. Four years ago, I said that word. And then I went, huh! I can't believe I said that. Lee Kinnear comes over, another hour, hour and a half, we fix it. I said, I'm starving, let's go to lunch. I'm, I told him the whole story when we was at the, at the job site. We go to lunch, we get our lunch there, and I said, all right, well, let's pray. And he said, hold on. I said, hold on what? He said, you can't pray. I said, why not? He said, because you cussed. You gotta ask forgiveness first. I said, well, you sucker, you. So I said, Lord, I f forgive me, Father, for losing my cool and saying that word. I thank you for it. And I said, now bless this food in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> but you know, the point is this. I hadn't cussed before that and I haven't cussed since. As we mature, as we progress in our sanctification, that stuff shouldn't happen all the time anymore. Right? We, we shouldn't sin all the time anymore as we mature. Those things should be falling off of us the more we mature, right? It absolutely should be, even though if you don't agree or not, it should. And that's the bottom line. So here, <laughs> here's the deal. The more I stay on course, continue to allow the Holy Spirit to sanctify me, lead me, guide me, read, pray, the closer I get to ultimate sanctification, the less blemishes I have, right? The less spots and wrinkles I have. Things that I gave into years ago no longer have an effect on me today as I continue to mature. And this should happen to you as well. So I say this as you're sitting here and the Holy Spirit is hopefully working on us. If you have been saved for years and years and you still have unforgiveness in your heart, what is that saying? Huh? I've asked people to forgive me for the things that I've done wrong to them. Some have forgiven me and some haven't. Guess what? That's out of my hands. That's between them and God now. I don't let it bother me at all. I did what I needed to do. But I have no forgiveness for anybody. I can sit here and say that, period. 
all right? If you are uh, offended easily, you've been saved for, dear God, five years. Man, you shouldn't be offended this easily anymore. So what? Somebody took your pew. Jeez, come on, people. Grow up. Maybe when you first got saved, okay, we're going to help you through that. The Holy Spirit's going to help you there. But man, five years later, you're mad? Gosh, please. Wow. You know? I, you know, I don't understand why people always take their offense out on God when something happens here and they want to leave or they want to do this or that. Yet when they get offended at work, they still stay there every day. Huh? When their wife or husband offends them, they're still married to them. They don't walk out. You know, what is the deal? Let's not be hypocrites and let's use that all the way through our life and not just at the church. I'm trying to be facetious, but make a point at the same time. Okay. If you're becoming more unteachable and mean, you're growing cold in your relationship with God. I don't want to serve. I don't want to tithe. I don't want to give. I don't want to go to church every week anymore. Oh my gosh. Um, hello. You complain more. You say I ain't growing. Okay. Well, um, I guarantee you it's not the church that you're attending if they're reading the word because the word does not return void. You should get something out of what somebody's saying every time you hit the doors. Come on, people. Hallelujah. So if, if this is happening to you, then something is not right. And uh, I don't know what water you're swimming in, but it ain't the sanctification pool. <laughs> Am I right? I'm absolutely right. Yes, your behavior and actions should be present on the outside. Hmm. Where are you in the sea glass process? Good question. We should never jump out of the salt water. No matter how hard the waves are crashing, no matter how tough it is, no matter how hard the world is pulling you to shore, throw yourself back into the ocean of sanctification. It's the only way you're going to grow. It's the only way you're going to stay saved. It's the only way you're going to mature. And probably the only way you're going to get to heaven. Amen? Amen. Yes. More and more people are being drawn away by their own lust, the Bible says. And more and more church seats are becoming empty. The very elect, the Bible says, are being deceived. And you know, I thought about that for a second. I said, the, if, if the very elect are being deceived, then what's the percentages of you and I who aren't the very elect being deceived? It's another question for Andrew. You know, <laughs> Wow, it's rough. That's tough, right? And if I ask him, I'm sure he'll pull it up. <laughs> I'm not asking him, though. Amen. Hallelujah. We have been sanctified at conversion, set apart, washed, and justified. We are God's and to be used for God's purpose. See, we think our lives are our own, but remember, we've been bought with a price. We are not our own. Just in the old covenant, those instruments we're set apart for God. You and I are set apart for God. Yeah, he allows us to do these things, to have a business, to go on vacation, and to do all this stuff, but really, we're supposed to be doing his work. We're supposed to be uh, 
disciples. What's a disciple do? They go make disciples. I see all over, man, there's, I'll tell you what, I've matured a lot because I want to comment on all kinds of stuff on Facebook, all kinds of people and all their craziness. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened after COVID, man. It messed them people up bad. It, it just crazy. They, they, everybody wants to judge, even the church, you know? But yet those very people who judge and say this and that, if you look on their Facebook stuff, they should be reading their own stuff that they're putting out. It's like, duh, you are so deceived. You, you are the very people that you are talking against on this Facebook. Wow, what in the world? All they want to do is judge this, that, complain, yak, talk, church needs to do this, 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 this. But yet, I want to say on there, okay, well, thank you so much. But how many people have you led to the Lord this year? How many people have you witnessed to this year and shared the love of Jesus to? How many? I guarantee you, it'll be about that much. Guaranteed. They need to get back in the ocean. Hmm. Oh boy, hallelujah. We are God's and to be used for God's purpose. The Holy Spirit is, is now sanctifying us daily, guys. He helps us set our behavior apart as well. Yeah? You know your life better than anybody else. Wow, how have I progressed in my sanctification since I became born again, since I've been set aside? Where am I today? You know, we all mess up. Yes, we all have our cussing days, probably. You know, where we just fed up and we just, ah, the, the flesh gets a hold of us. I get it. I get that. But you should be doing it less and less and less. Yeah? Right? I mean, the more you study a certain subject in school, the better you should be getting at it. No different than this Christian walk in this life. The world shall know us by our fruit, right? We are set apart for God's purpose, positional sanctification. We are trying to be more like Christ every single day. That's progressive sanctification. And we should be maturing every single day by doing these things, keeping ourselves washed in the word. Amen? So everybody stand up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our prayer team, if you're here, come on down. Come on down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know where you're at. You know where you're at. You know how shiny you are or how rough you are, <laughs> how beautiful you are as a Christian or how ugly you are as a Christian when it comes to your actions. You know. And time is short, short, short. You know, we see what happened on the TV again at a Christian school down in Tennessee. I mean, Kentucky, wherever it was. We see what's happening. Man, the devil is out at full bore. We have to become just as aggressive in our Christian walk, in our love, in our witnessing. And being then disciples that he's called us to be. We have to be that. Yeah, we're going to fight ourselves for the rest of our life until complete sanctification. 
comes at us at death or whenever he comes. But a lot of you and I are the only Jesus, the only shiny sea glass some people will ever see. And so we have to keep working on ourselves because remember, it's not about us. It's about him. Everything we do on this earth is not going to matter. Remember, we're set apart. He lets us do these things. He blesses us. He lets us do all this kind of stuff. But the main goal is salvations. It's conversions. And anything we do for him is recorded and we get sea glass for it in heaven. <laughs> It'd be a lot more valuable than sea glass. Our rewards is what we do for him, not the car we buy. Not how many houses we build and sell, how much money we make. It's only what we do for him that's going to last, guys. That's it. That's what we were set apart for. And he's given you your gift and talent, not for you, not for television, not for Hollywood, but for him. That's what he's given it to you for. Use those gifts. Use those talents. Yeah, to build this and that and, and, and whatever you do. And my gift and talent, I don't have very many. Apparently, it's talking. And I do a very good job of it. And that's how I got that guard saved in Aruba. I just started talking. And he's like, dude, man, you're crazy. And I said, well, I'm crazy for Jesus. You know? So I use my gift and talent for him. And yet I'm on vacation too. So I get to do both. It's beautiful. And you can too. So right now, just, I just want you to take a minute. If you need extra prayer, you know, hey, man, my, my edges are coming back. I mean, I, it's like reverse osmosis process. I don't know, man. I was shiny, and I, I, I look like sea glass, but now I'm looking more like a, a jagged piece of Coca-Cola glass that nobody wants to be around. You want extra prayer. You, you want somebody to lay hands on you. Our prayer team is down here. We're here to pray for you and help you. But just take a second. Examine your life. I'm going to take 30 seconds. Examine your life. And just on your own, just say, God, please help me. Whatever you need from him, he's here to help you. Remember, the Holy Spirit is here for us. And he will perfect you. He will help you. Ask for his help right now in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you. Oh, God, I thank you for this revelation. God, that it hits people where they need it this evening, Father. Hallelujah. Oh, God, I just thank you, Father, for washing us clean. I thank you for sound minds, Father, tonight in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Sound minds, God. Oh, Father, I thank you, Father. We rebuke anything that is being said in their minds. Devil, we rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I thank you that people think on things that are pure, holy, and just. Oh, devil, you're a liar and the father of lies. I thank you, Father, that our people will see right through your lies and not believe them in Jesus' name. Rebuke you in Jesus' name. Leave their thoughts, leave their minds tonight in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. For they have been set apart. They are worth something. They are somebody. They are yours, God. I thank you, Father, for that. Letting them know they're loved, they're cherished tonight. In Jesus' name, somebody needs to hear that. That's strong on my heart right now. I thank you for that tonight, God. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They are sea glass to you, Father. Precious Lord Jesus. I thank you for that tonight, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, help us. Cleanse us, Father, in the ocean. Oh, God, in the ocean, Father. I thank you for that progressive sanctification. God, that we are being more like you every day. God, that we will throw off the world tonight in Jesus' name. And we'll get back to doing what you've called us to do in this world because we are not of it, but we are in it in Jesus' name. I thank you for that tonight, God. Hallelujah. I thank you for sanctifying us, Lord God, cleansing us tonight, Father. We have been washed. We have been justified. We have been sanctified in the word tonight, God. I thank you for it, Holy Ghost. Oh, and I thank you for helping us. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us, Father. Hallelujah, that we will be sensitive to you, Father, from this night on in a greater way. Hallelujah, as we press toward what you have called us to do tonight. We thank you for forgiving us, for helping us, setting us free of the things, Lord God, that are holding us back tonight, God. Oh, we repent, Father, for judging. We repent, Father, for all the minor things that, that are just worldly, Lord God. I thank you for those things being put away from us. God, cleansing us from those things, Jesus. Hallelujah. God, we give you praise for it tonight. Thank you for continually being with us and continually sanctifying us day after day after day as we yield to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen and amen. All right, listen, Saturday morning, 8 a.m., prayer from 8 to 9. The full band will be here. Show up with us. Pray with us. We love to see you. God bless you.